Hi everyone, I'm Liam and this is Words with Women. Welcome to another episode of Words with Women. Today's guest is Kash Bukowski, a founding member and a champion of Women in Management Network at Telford. After graduating from Telford in 2019, she landed a role as a business development representative for a fast-growing B2B software company in Toronto. From there, she was promoted into Partner Development Manager, where she's responsible for bringing on new partners into their ecosystem and growing the partner channel. Cash is passionate about building relationships and connecting with others, which has led her to uncover countless opportunities. In today's episode, Cash will share with us her experience post-graduation and stories of how she managed to create opportunities for herself. So join us for words of advice, words of wisdom on your bi-weekly podcast, Words with Women. Welcome back to Words with Women. Today we're joined by Cash Polkowski. Uh, welcome back, Cash, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. We am um, excited to be here. And Lauren is finally back with us on the podcast. Welcome back, Lauren. Thanks, William. I'm so excited to be back. So today we'll be talking about creating your own opportunities. And I know that Cash is such a believer of creating your own path and creating your own opportunities. And uh, we wanted to ask you and talk to you about your post-graduation life and how did you navigate it? So to start off the conversation, was it easy for you to navigate post-graduation and start your own career? Yeah, that's actually a really great way to start off the call, Liam. And, you know, I've had a really amazing path so far, and it is a bit of a humble brag, but the reality <laughs> is, and the reason I say that is because the same basis is applicable for anyone, right? That, that reality can be anyone's. I believe that we co-create or create our realities alongside the earth and the world. So it goes back to like taking ownership of your life and not making constant excuses for yourself, being radically honest with where you are, where you want to go, or where you want to be, and then assessing that gap and taking action. I'll give away the formula yeah. right at the start here. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess when it comes to, um, you know, when when I was navigating like post-grad life, um, I mean, it's interesting because it's a time that we really start adulting, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Like officially, and we have to deal with this whole mindset switch. That's like, okay, I'm going from working part time, maybe full time in the summers, and I have some weekdays off where I get to focus on school. And that mindset switch comes in and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm going to be working nonstop for the next 40 or 50 years. And I only have, you know, three weeks of vacation and five sick days. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, people have different goals. And, yeah. and stuff, but I'm addressing the masses here. And it's scary because we're just kind of pushed into it, right? You're basically describing my situation right now, given that I just graduated <laughs> in April and I'm like, okay, so it's basically speaking everything that I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something a lot of us go through. And like, personally, I had been, you know, working on building that adulting muscle for many years prior to like officially graduating and whatnot and making that transition. I was living alone in Ottawa for five years. I was finding ways to make money so that, so that I could eat. For me, it was kind of a natural progression. And I was really eager to start that next chapter as well. And what I noticed was what makes it so difficult is that there's that significant lack of resources as mm -hmm. soon as that switch happens, right? All of these resources at your fingertips when you're a student. 
right? Whether that's from the career center, whether that's from some kind of a university resource center, discounts on, you know, courses outside of school because you're a student and then you graduate and it's like, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. You're done. Yeah. Bye to all those great resources, which you, you know, some people don't even realize they have them um, mm-hmm. until they don't have them anymore. They don't have access to them anymore. And yeah. especially in COVID times, like getting a job is already three times as hard, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on what field you're going into. It's definitely a challenge. It was funny because I, um, I graduated. I didn't have an official uh, job lined up after yeah. school, but I, I, I flew off to Thailand for a month as like my graduation gift to myself. And when I came back, I was like, okay, now it's time to worry about that next step. (laughs) Exactly. And I was in a really good position because the company I work for now, Vena, um, I had entered a sales competition in that last year of school. And they actually, um, you know, we we stayed in contact once the competition was over. And um, I was able to, you know, secure an interview and uh, get hired through that process. But, you know, as we'll talk that that was me creating an opportunity. And it led to a very, you know, fulfilled life, I'd say. When you were mentioning the resources and the support system that we have as students, like this is something that we talked about before, just, you know, off the podcast, how yep. just being part of Women in Management Network, it creates that community that you have, the people that you can rely on. And even Lauren can attest to this as well. The random channel, if you have a question about a class, yeah. you just drop it there. If you want any workout advice, you can go there as well. So it was yeah. such a community that you somewhat lose once you graduate. That brings up an excellent point because I felt, you know, weaning off of women, women Mm -hmm. in management network was so difficult. Like I went from, you know, being so involved, Mm -hmm. like leading the network Mm -hmm. to suddenly not being involved anymore. And that was, again, like a mindset thing where you have to recognize, okay, like, well, is there any way I can remain involved? This Mm -hmm. is, you know, something, this is a cause that we're all, fighting for and we all want to be involved it's not like a four-year stint and it's over and then you move on with your life it's like a a battle for equity and you know it's just such an important thing to consider and a lot of us don't think far enough that we'll be in that position and all of these resources will just be cut from us yeah and speaking of women you were the lead of women management network team in 2018-2019 Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious, did your woman journey, and I'm sure you did because it did for me as well, uh, play a role in your growth and development? That's a great question. And of course, absolutely it did. It was my first time leading a team of 40 individuals. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure, you know, for a type A person who always wants to ha- have their stuff together. If you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest lessons that I took from that experience was, you know, the power of delegation and asking for help. You know, it takes a certain level of vulnerability to be able to do that. And it's definitely a sign of strength. A lot of people have the stigma against it as though it's a weakness, but I think showing up as your true self, emotions and all is so powerful. You know, the fact that I didn't have to do everything myself was amazing. And it was it was a process, right? Because we were in a growth mode, we were building out these different processes, we were building out the team, we were connecting to new people, new communities in Ottawa. And I had all of these incredible people around me that wanted the same thing as me, which was to grow this thing out, to have it impact, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people a year. And so about halfway through the year, I started to realize that I was realizing we're all on the same team. It's one team and 
I have to lean on my VPs and the directors because they're eager to help and they're communicating that. Being able to recognize what my own capacity was, other people on the team, on my team, on our team, you know, wanted the same thing. Like it was just very impactful, not only for future leadership opportunities, but also for my own growth and self-development, like understanding where your limits are and not exceeding them. I can tell you like working from home for the last year, I'm pretty burnt out as I expect everyone is. It's very difficult. And so understanding what your limits are and allowing other people to help you is just, you know, there's no reason to suffer in silence. And on top of that, I realized that as a leader of a group of people, you've got that group of people to help support the work, right? So your role as a president or as a network lead or any kind of tip top position, your role is to be the delegator. It's not to be kind of a delegator. It's to be the delegator. Elon Musk is an example. He claims he makes one to two decisions a day. He's not out there actually putting together the Teslas. He's making the decisions that are going to drive their growth and their business further. Yeah, I really love that example. You were one of the people who always talked about delegation, especially towards the end of like the year. And it made me realize the importance of it. And actually, I sat down and I thought about it more. I think it would have taken me like longer to realize the importance of delegation and how it, it was crucial in my term as well and with my team as well. Absolutely. And delegation goes back to a team mindset, right? When we think of a team, we think of everybody collaborating, working hand in hand to get something farther. When you don't delegate, you're actually causing more harm. Yeah, those are all great points. So we met because of woman, obviously, and Cash was the the lead of woman and we and I were just little babies on the skill team yeah. still. So um, <laughs> yeah. So um but I remember seeing Cash as a leader and seeing her at the networking events. And I just saw you connecting with professionals and immediately as soon as you said you were going into sales, I was like, that just makes so much sense because it matched so well with like your personality and like who you were as a person. Um and as someone in marketing, I'm more on the digital marketing side. So sales is you know, terrifying to me, which I'm sure like a lot of marketing people can agree with. So can you tell us what drew you to the sales side of marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Lauren, you know, that makes me feel great. You know, I guess, to answer that question, everyone is in sales to some degree, whether or not they choose to believe it, acknowledge it, live that way, you are always selling yourself to some degree. Think of a job interview. You want to put your best foot forward and make a great impression. And that is literally selling yourself. From my point of view, like I love people. I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. I'll start conversations with people as I'm like walking my dog. It comes so naturally to me. And it's really enjoyable because I just love the fact that we're all on this planet with our own set of incredible experiences. And everybody has a life as complex as each of you. And a lot of people don't necessarily see it that way. They don't see that there are so many people out there and everyone's just, you know, like a side character. Oh, well, they made me feel stupid. So they must be a horrible person without having that regard for what people are actually going through on a day to day. Like it's given me a lot of perspective to think about. Somebody yelled at me or somebody was frustrated at me and like honked at me behind the Tim Hortons drive through to like get a move on, for example, but like maybe they're, you know, 
wife is uh giving birth in a hospital and they were like I told my wife I'd bring her a nice cap right like <laughs> just as a silly example but um that's the reality like going through school I never realized that sales was a profession when yeah. I thought of sales I thought okay it's some kind of a skeezy you know car salesman who only has his own agenda and he's pushing me and he really wants to make some com- commission like there's that stigma around it even these days which mm-hmm. is which is so upsetting because having entered this world of like business development and partnership development, the people that I connect with on a regular basis, like they're incredible. They're incredibly knowledgeable. They're very talented. There's a lot of introverts I work with who are in sales as well. It's not, not everything is, you know, you have to be obsessed with people and you have to love, you know, making an impact. When I was in my fourth year at UOTWA at Telfer, I went through this kind of existential crisis where I went, oh my gosh, I've spent four years in accounting and I hate it. I hate every moment. I hate doing the homework. I hate showing up for class. I hate sitting down and writing in exams because I cry immediately after because it was just not interesting. Like it was so difficult for me to show up. And so halfway through that fourth year, you know, I've got friends graduating in four months and I'm sitting here like, this is not my path. I was like, I have to be people facing. That's where it started. And I switched into HR. And, you know, luckily my parents were supportive of that because they were set on me being an accountant. But the reality was like, I, I was not happy. So I did something about it. And even though I didn't know where I was going, I just knew I had to pivot. And that was like the first domino in where I'm at now, because that radical honesty with myself of this isn't meant for you and being able to acknowledge that and do something about it to take action of where I'm at and where I want to be being able to um, open myself to the opportunities that were waiting for me. And the reason I say that is because one time, about three weeks after that happened, and I made the switch and I was like, Oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, I don't like my government job. What am I going to do? I went out to the bar with my friend. And I basically got through like, you know, her dating the bartender who um, basically allowed her the opportunity to meet the owner. When the owner walked into the bar, she was like, Cash, you need to go talk to him. And I, I said, okay, great. I love talking to people. I walked over, introduced myself. And through that conversation, which was a three hour conversation at the bar with this like random guy <laughs> that I wouldn't have <laughs> met in any other way, he introduced me to another individual who introduced me to another individual who basically brought me into the world of technology and sales and partnerships. And at that point, I was, you know, screaming from the mountaintops, like, all you have to do is be open Mm -hmm. to the next thing. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And that's where people get tripped up is like, oh, well, I don't know if that's for me. It's like, you don't have to know, you'll figure it out along the way. But as we were talking right before we started recording, Liam and Lauren, like, what did I say? I said, you just have to get started, yeah. right? Or in this case, you just have to be radically honest with yourself. What are my passions? What are my talents? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What do I enjoy doing? Or how can I make money doing that? Because we all still need to live. Bills to pay. Everything is connected. And every single one of my brutally honest moments had connected the dots. It definitely takes honesty. I mean, I know a lot of people who like, let's say, start in a field and four years or three years deep in and it's kind of like too late to change. So they just decide to finish a degree. 
So the fact that you went out of your way, like in your fourth year, and you still changed your degree, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of a lot of um, honesty with yourself, because it's definitely not easy to sit down with yourself and look at yourself and say, well, I just studied four years of my life in a degree or for a degree that I don't even use in the future. Exactly. And you know what it is? It's this concept of like, people in relationships, when they say, well, we've been together for three years, like, that's so much of my life, that would be time wasted. Yeah, right. And when they're in that mindset, because I've been working a lot with like frames and, you know, improving my mindset, when you focus on what you're going to lose, you impact the future. And Mm -hmm. so when you sit there and think about, well, I can't break up with him, because we've been together for three years, and we know each other, and we love each other. Okay, but that means you're going to spend the next what five, 10 upset at the fact (laughs) that you couldn't be brutally honest with yourself at that moment. And what happens is sure, it's very painful in the moment. I'm sure we've all gone through breakups and they suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is you come out on the other side and you're like, whoa, look at this window of opportunity. I get to go out and meet people who are going to make my soul light up even more. Like there's so many factors involved in this, but it's the fact that when you're not honest with yourself in those moments and when you don't do what's right for you because your gut knows what's right for you, when you don't do that, you're shooting yourself in the foot and it has long term repercussions it's like three years or 20 years of your life exactly like and I know that you spoke about this uh, a little bit as well uh, but what would you say are the main crucial things that you did and still do right now which helped you grow your career I think having like the right type of attitude and mindset in everything that you do is literally what separates the great from the good you know it's that thin line of you know how are you showing up every day How do you want people to remember you? Is it, well, she was a negative Nancy and complaining about the weather. It was always too hot or it was always too cold. Stupid stuff like that. But when it comes to, you know, creating your own opportunities, you have to be willing to recognize what's in front of you. I have this mindset around work and it's like, let's just become 1% better every day. And the reason I say that is because 1% improvement accumulates just like compound interest. So in my role these days, like what I'm doing is if I get off off of a call with a prospective partner, and I'm like, man, like, you know, that went okay, I could have improved here. But I did really well in talking about our partner program as it stands today. And I said something that was like tip of the tongue, and it came off very well. And like, that's my 1% better. That's one aspect of it is the growth mindset, always looking to improve, knowing that you're not the smartest person in the room. And if you are, you're in the wrong room. But then the the other set of that is like being adaptable and willing to pivot as you discover new things. Being adaptable for me looked like creating my own office space in the home and, you know, creating a solid morning routine where I'm not always like waking up and then rolling into bed. You know, that took six months (laughs) of practice, (laughs) honestly. But the point is like, by being adaptable, you're setting yourself up for success too, for any of the future things that can come your way. So would you be able to tell us about your experience settling into your first job post-grad? And do you have any advice for those like William and I who are graduating this uh, this spring or in the winter as well about starting our full-time job soon? It's like my favorite question to be asked. It's so important to make like a good first impression. As I was starting at Vena, there was that two-week buffer between, you know, signing the contract and, and starting at in the office. In that time, I took time to basically send out LinkedIn messages to 
half of the sales team to all of the executive leadership team. And the intent behind that was to introduce myself, say, I'm joining the team and I'm so excited to get to meet you. And when I showed up on the first day, half of the team knew me. So it's all about differentiating yourself and finding ways to go above and beyond from the get-go. I had nothing to lose, right? Like I had the job. Um, it was just a couple of days before I started. Everybody appreciated the message and I led in with a really great first impression. So if there's one thing I advise everyone to do, everyone who's listening and the both of you and all of women, it's to really find a way to stick out. And maybe that's, you know, like submitting a, a unique and funky resume, right, to get the job, but always to like follow up on LinkedIn or by email afterwards, after the interview, basically just showing your eagerness and, and you know, that you're very excited to be joining this team and this culture it's a really good way to to make connections and I will probably will use it before I start my Me job. Me too. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So before we move to the rapid feed to one cash, I have like a question for you. Uh, one last question. Did you have any moments of self-doubt and how did you overcome them? Because I know you spoke about a lot of your experiences and I love your story so far. So I'm, I'm a little bit curious how or if you have uh, moments of self-doubt as well. That's a really good question because I think that all of us have moments, no matter who we are, no matter if we're leading a team of five or a team of 500. I think we all experience some level of like imposter syndrome or moments of self-doubt, especially around um, like feeling not good enough or like you don't know everything. And I know for me, that's like a that's been a big blocker in the past is like, if I don't have all of the knowledge on the topic, I don't want to speak about it because I don't want to get called out in front of people and look like a fool. And so I actually had, you know, a moment of self doubt, like three weeks into my new role when I started in partners at Vena in March of this year. So like four months ago, or three months ago, I'm losing track of time. I started and I spent like two weeks really taking in a lot of information and trying to, um, you know, basically learn everything I could so that when I had to hop on these calls one on one with with potential uh, partners, I wouldn't look like a fool and I would know what I'm talking about, right? Because again, going back to that fear, I don't want to be called out by people and and feel insecure about that stuff, right? So um, something that helped me was, you know, level setting. And like, what I mean by that is knowing that as you continue your career, as you grow in your career, you become more and more knowledgeable on things, right? You're going to gain that experience through experience. You make a mistake, you know, you're going to remember it. And that's why the power of like making mistakes and, and failing, quote unquote, is so powerful, because when something like that happens, you're going to remember three weeks into my role, I was taking an in information and I hopped on this call and there were two individuals on it who kind of worked together. And I said, OK, like, let's start with introductions. You know, my name is Cash. I'm a partner development manager. I am so excited to be here with you guys. You know, I started in the role earlier this month. I'm, I've been with Vena in a business development capacity for the last three years. I would say, okay, I'm passing over the mic and the lady started speaking. And so she starts off with, yeah, my name is so-and-so. I've been in finance for 20 years. I've been in technology for like 30. And I'm really curious about learning X, Y, Z. And then the guy goes, I've been in finance for 30 years. I've been in technology for 40. And this is where I'm really interested. And the moment those years came out of their mouth, I just went, what the heck am I doing here? I 
have two years, three years maybe of experience working. I am 24 years old. I don't know anything. And it was terrifying. Like the rest of the call, my hands were shaking. I was like, oh yeah, it's uh, a great question. <laughs> I and can I, imagine. Like, it's very stressful when yeah. you're in it. Good news is the, the the call went excellent. You know, we had set up a demo and, and eventually like, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to figure out next steps now, but um, it went really well. Like listening back to the call, I wasn't so obviously nervous, but internally ladies, like my, I was so scared. I was so scared. I was like, I'm going to say the wrong thing or something I'm going to say won't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. What ended up happening was um, I got off the call and then, you know, I immediately started bawling my eyes out and my manager called me and he put it into perspective because he said, look, like they're coming to us because we have knowledge that they don't. So it doesn't matter how many years of experience or how in depth someone knows about something. It doesn't matter because you still have information that they're lacking. And in this case, it was about our partner program and how we could work together. I was the one who could fill in those gaps. I don't question myself anymore going into these kinds of calls. You know, anything can happen. But now I trust myself enough that I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of value. And if somebody doesn't see that, well, that's not somebody we want to partner with anyway. Thank you, Cash, for joining us today. And now we're going to move to the rapid three, two, one. The first question will have a three-word answer. The second question will have a two-word answer. And the last question will have a one-word answer. So for the first question, what are the three values that got you where you are today? If you have to pick three, what would they be? That's a really good question. And um, I guess I would say, like, know yourself. So that's a mix of self-awareness and authenticity, okay. knowing who you are. The second is trusting yourself. So listening to and following your intuition. And then the third one is both open-mindedness and positivity. So knowing that a lot is in your control and that ultimately you're responsible for your emotions and your thoughts. And wow. I know that those weren't three words, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. No Love them. The second question, what are the two things that make you feel motivated or inspired? So when things are not going away, what are the things that keep you grounded? The first one is definitely like, the positive impact that I've had on people in my life. So mm -hmm. even starting with like the both of you, you know, my sister, my best friends, the handful of women members who I've even had the pleasure of like mentoring um, and kind of sharing that guidance of like my lived experiences with. And then the second thing is my perspective. And what that means is like, you know, it's easy to think that you're a victim and that the world yeah. is happening to you. And oh, poor me. But it takes a lot of courage and strength to be able to be like, you know, this is happening around me and I have the power to choose whether I want to react or whether I'll just allow it to happen. And again, like the pandemic is the perfect example. I got promoted in the middle of a pandemic. Congrats. I have so much. Thank you. I have mm -hmm. so much to be grateful. You know, having that perspective to realize how lucky I've been and how I've created my own opportunities is definitely something that keeps me grounded, motivated and, and inspired. That's a really good reminder. And uh, moving on to the last question, because we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, what is the one skill that you think is important in all aspects of life? So if you have to pick one skill, what would it be? This one is easy and it's listening because we don't listen enough and we were given two ears and one mouth. 
Love that. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I just want to leave you with one more like tidbit. When we talk about trusting ourselves and being authentic, that is how we create our own opportunities. And that is how we become successful as individuals, right? Because you're honoring your own self, your own values, and what matters most to you. Copying someone else is not going to give you nearly like as much satisfaction because they're living their own truth. And when you're not honoring yourself in that way and you're trying to fit someone else's mold of you, whether that's like your parents or your friends or societies telling you to go to school and be an accountant, just know that you can challenge it. And it's honestly like your responsibility to be honest with yourself and to live your own life in the way that is going to make you happy. That's an amazing note to end the episode on. So thank you so much again for joining us, Cash, for sharing your stories with us. Thank you so much, guys.